Hi, I'm Justin Boyd. And I am the Drew Master, their friend from the North. And we are the Watchers in the Basement. Welcome to the Watchers in the Basement. We are here today to discuss the latest and final movie in the DC Extended Universe. That movie is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. But before I get Drew's thoughts on the film, I'm going to hit you with some Lost Kingdom facts. The Lost Kingdom is the, of course, direct sequel to the 2018 Aquaman movie. It is the um, the uh, officially the 15th movie in the DCEU. Unofficially the 16th, of course, because they made two, two uh, Justice League movies. There's a Zack Snyder cut, which is obviously much better. Um, you know, the movie came out, as we're recording this, it's December 22nd, which is the day the movie comes out. So uh, we saw the movie yesterday. Um, so no box office information yet. However, I do want to mention that the, the first movie, the first Aquaman movie, made $1.1 billion, making it easily the highest grossing film of the DCEU. And it's the third highest grossing WB film of all time. Only eight films have grossed a billion worldwide. And Drew, I'm just pop quiz for you. Can you name a WB movie you think that made a billion dollars? I, I, I cannot. There's been too many <laughs> Warner Brothers movies that go through my head that... I'd have to think and put money a, mon- a monetary value to. So, so some of them are not too surprising. Um, the first one, the mo- highest grossing of all time, actually came this year. It's Barbie, one point four oh, billion. Was, okay. Yeah, so Barbie. The second highest grossing WB movie is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, which we just reviewed in the past month or so. It made one point three billion. You have uh, Aquaman twenty eighteen one point one billion. The Dark Knight Rises in twenty twelve made one point oh eight billion. Joker in 2019 made over a billion, as did The Dark Knight in 2008. And uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone made a billion in 2001. And then The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey in 2012 made a billion. So those are the eight films. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, three of which have, uh, you know, Batman related characters, four of which are DC, the other two are uh, Harry Potter and, of course, Barbie. So I thought that was interesting, the fact that we have eight. Uh, WB movies of all time. And then in the MCU itself, you have like 10 or 11 that made a billion. So a little bit different. Uh, before I go any further, I just want to say uh, we've got some people join us in the chat. Walking with the Woods. Good to have you all on the show. We appreciate when you all check us out. Um, we know you all are over in the UK, I believe. So uh, there's quite a bit of a time difference. So thanks for checking us out. We appreciate it. So back to the Lost Kingdom facts. A budget of $205 million. I'm... I don't know. I don't, I'm really interested to see what this movie is going to make the box office. I don't think it's going to do very well. I hope it does better. Uh, runtime of two hours and four minutes. Uh, once again, directed by James Wan, who also directed the first Aquaman film. And uh, the movie was written by David Leslie Johnson McGoldbrick. And I mentioned that because James Wan, the director, and Jason Moa have a story credit on the movie. So uh, kind of cool that the main star would also have a story credit. And then the cast includes Jason Momoa, Patrick Wilson, Amber Heard, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Nicole Kidman, Dolph Lundgren, Randall Park, Tamora Morrison, Martin Short, and John Reese davies Drew, what are your thoughts on Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom? Um, I did enjoy it. It's nowhere near as good as the first one, unfortunately. Um, I mean, I thought the first one was decent um, and a fun movie. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I did enjoy it. I, and then we talked a little bit before we went live, you know, there are times it felt like Pirates of the Caribbean. 
um, with some of the seagoing stuff, I guess that's par for the course. And then there's the stuff with the uh, undead and necromancy that kind of had a feel a little bit of the Lord of the Rings feel, but um, I enjoyed it. And, you know, it was interesting because the ticket said two, uh, two hours and 20 minutes on mine, but it was really just about two hours. So it yeah. didn't feel too long. Yeah, that's one of the big differences between this movie for, for me, because I think that the the two Aquaman movies are very much on the same level. They're on par with each other. Um, the first Aquaman movie, of course, is very successful. I don't think this one will be. But uh, the first movie was like two hours and 23 minutes. And I've re- I've seen it a couple of times. I rewatched it actually this week, getting ready for uh, The Lost Kingdom. And it kind of it feels like a longer movie. So I was happy that this one was only two hours. Um, that that made it i think to me because they're so close i think i gave i gave this movie the edge is in being better than the first one. Oh, it's very close um there's probably some recency bias i mean i just saw this movie so it's fresh in my mind and uh i i thought the action was pretty pretty you know spectacular the the fight scenes with black manta and uh jason with uh, and aquaman uh the trident fight scene toward the end that was very much like a lightsaber like a luke skywalker darth vader kind of fight what are your thoughts on the action, you know, in this in this film? I thought the one thing this movie, uh, the Lost Kingdom, had over the first one, I thought the humor was a lot better and and fit in when it when it needed to. I mean, we're going to talk about some possible uh, callouts to other universes out there, but uh, yeah. you know, some comments that were made were, were rather hilarious and, and timely too. So um, the action was, you know, I, I thought the uh, Trident fight from the first movie uh, between the uh, ocean master hence why i like to call myself the drew master but uh king oram and and um and aquaman i thought that was a really good scene and well choreographed uh there was you know the one thing that was interesting is there were two bad guys you know between black manta and i can't think of the the necromancy king from the lost kingdom but um you know it was fun to see and they definitely could wield it i starting to get some darth darth maul fight vibes i had not not in a negative yep. way but it was it was impressive um so yeah i that i agree with you on the action um this one was a little more action-packed uh i still i still like to try and find the first one a little bit better than the trident fights i saw from this one but that's just that's just me yeah that's fair yeah the the other villain in the film was king cordax okay he is the king of the lost kingdom which is the kingdom of necros so uh of course everyone at home knows that now um <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the one thing I do like about this movie is that it is a direct sequel, whereas it does feel like a like these right. two movies feel like a two part story because everything that was set up in the first one is paid off in the second one. Like in the first one, they do mention there is a lost kingdom and you're like, oh, well, that points to probably a sequel. They mentioned the other kingdoms, you know, Dolph Lundgren's character is talking to Orm in the first one. And he's mentioning the different kingdoms and it's kind of an expo- exposition dump for the audience, but you're learning about these different kingdoms the brine and the fishermen and mm-hmm. obviously atlantis and all that stuff um but then like you know just like how that's paid off in the sequel also black manta's storyline is paid off because in the you know black manta is you know makaman's main foe right in the comics that's his main you know that's his joker right per se for, for you know for batman so uh with what happens to black manta in the first movie you know he he his his father dies. Aquaman doesn't kill his father, but Aquaman, you know, could have saved Black Manta's dad. He refuses to do so, and so you know now Black Manta is like hell bent on revenge. And in the first movie, he teams up with Orm to try to get 
the technology needed to take down Aquaman doesn't work out in his favor. You know, and then in the post credit of the first film, he he gets hooked up with Dr. Shin, played by Randall Park. And uh Dr. Shin, who you know has been fascinated with Atlantis for much of his life, you know, now has hold of Atlantean technology and he helps, you know, kind of rebuild Black Manta his power suit and gets him back up and running. And then we pick up in this movie where Black Manta is now, you know, in search of Atlantis. And while in search of Atlantis, he kind of stumbles upon the black trident, which, you know, gives him these powers that, uh, like we said before, the powers of this, uh, this lost kingdom and this, this Corvax, uh, this evil King. And, uh, I thought the trident was, I thought the black trident was pretty cool. I liked how, like, when they when he put it together it lit mm-hmm. up and it was green and you know his eyes would light up green and i mean it's kind of a simple kind of storyline but uh i enjoyed black manta in this movie what do you think about the character i i liked how um they linked you know that black trident was was a cool idea and obviously there was plenty of uh, alluding to it in the previews for the movie mm-hmm. um you know they didn't i don't remember them showing any of the previews and i could be wrong with you know how it worked and when you put it together and then lighting up and getting the visions about the the set the lost kingdom about necris and you know the power that could be bestowed but i agree with everything you said about the ties if there was one thing this movie did really well is, is it kept consistency from the storyline of the first one mm-hmm. um and you know i was a huge fan of thor love and thunder so i did have some thor love and thunder f- feel and vibes at times to this movie in a good way um you know, like when the recap of the story was, you know, hey, I got married, I got a job. It, if I kind of felt like when Korg was telling, you know, the story about the space Viking, it was all good stuff for those that may not have seen the first Aquaman, um, which is yeah. still, I think, worth a watch for everybody. It's I, I watched it Wednesday night since I, you know, I was going to go see us afternoon too. And it was, you know, I felt consistency uh, from the storyline between the two and, and, and well done. I think I mentioned to you prior before in live, I was surprised and I didn't watch any social media or anything going in the movie, but um, you know, Amber Heard is back as Mara and how much Mara was in the movie and her role. And it, it really surprised me with everything that had gone down in her, um, in her, you know, with, with the Johnny Depp and stuff and all that. But uh, you know, I wasn't sure. I knew they couldn't have the story without Mara, and I was glad to see her, you know, not replaced. And I think that kept some consistency. It was always always good to see Tamora Morrison. Um, he's you know fun and uh, Nicole Kidman, and it was good that uh, they brought Patrick Wilson back and with the storyline. I mean that the the uh, the pre- previews of the movie definitely saw that. But I agree with everything you say about consistency, and um, that's what made it enjoyable. It wasn't you know kind of like you know the Lost Brother Jacob from the from the Fast and Furious. How do you not know you have a third? <laughs> have a last brother i mean they kept everything tied very well together so yeah yeah and you just kind of highlighted the cast that i think the cast is pretty spectacular in this movie i think uh patrick wilson maybe is the standout obviously you know jason mo it's his movie but patrick wilson's really good whenever he enters the fray mm-hmm. uh you know basically if you saw the first movie you know that you know orm is sent to this prison on this like desert uh kingdom or you know in the Mm -hmm. desert so there's not a lot of water so he's sent there and you know because of that he he's lost a lot of ways very skinny looking and uh basically you know in this movie aquaman realizes the only way he can like you know combat what black manta has done because black manta obviously now that he's got the power of this uh this other kingdom and this black trident he's more powerful than aquaman and so the only way to stop him is to he gets Aquaman decides I need to you know get my brother out. My brother can help me. And so then the movie kind of becomes like a buddy comedy between like these two brothers who, you know, you mentioned like it's very much like Thor and Thor and Loki. And 
So much so that like in the movie, at one point, Jason, uh, said Jason Moment, Aquaman calls Orm Loki, like as a joke. He's mm-hmm. like, hey, Loki, like, uh, you know, once we take care of this, we can send you back to your back to Azkaban, which is obviously <laughs> is a Harry Potter reference, which is obviously, you know, the prisoner of Azkaban, which is a Harry Potter movie. And of course, Orm was a prisoner before before Aquaman breaks him out in this movie. But you, you talked <laughs> about the comedy. Um couple of the funnier lines was when he breaks out orm from the prison and orm is very you know very skinny and he calls him <laughs> he says hey castaway come on get get wilson let's go yeah, remember skinny jeans too yeah, when he calls him skinny, skinny jeans, jeans. <laughs> yeah so the crowd the, the people at the uh, yeah. character like they, they like castaway but it really lit up when he called him skinny jeans so just to let you know what's yeah. happening on my side of the, of the states here so yeah no it, it was it was funny stuff and uh the castaway guy line got a, got a good laugh for me because i remember in the first movie you know mira is like she's all about like going to war and, and when he first kind of encounters her he calls her fight club which is <laughs> yeah. kind of a funny like callback to it you know in this movie is a different movie um so i like the pop culture stuff um yeah i think the, i think the comedy is you know it doesn't it doesn't hit every time but I, I think they do a you know pretty good job of uh of you know it's i think it does feel like it's more like a family movie you know and obviously coming out around christmas which you know, the first movie came out almost five years to the day. In fact, one yep. day off from being five years to the day. Um, it's, it kind of has like a, you know, a family, I mean, a family is a big part of the film, obviously, uh, because, you know, Aquaman is now a dad. Aquaman and Mira, you know, the first movie was about them, their love story coming together. And now they have a child who they've named Arthur Jr. or just Jr. for, uh, yep. for short. So uh, the movie opens with Aquaman being a dad. It is interesting though the way they play the that part because um, of all the Amber Heard stuff. There was, you know, given what has happened with her and her career and her with her ex husband Johnny Depp, and there was a lot of chatter that she wasn't going to be in the movie, right. as you mentioned before. And even if you watch the trailer for this film, if you blink, you miss her in the trailer. I mean, she is just in the trailer for like two seconds. And you're kind of wondering, what are they going to do with that character? Are they just going to kill her off? Is that is that the way to get around this? And in the beginning, you know, they talk about how they have a child. And they show her with the baby a little bit, but they right. mostly show him with the baby. And they really try to portray like he's a single father. And he even talks to his dad about how his yep. dad was a single father. So what did you think about that kind of like? parenthood aspect of the movie so i told you i didn't watch any social media because i just wanted to see the movie for what it was and not get influenced yeah. I, I saw a couple of the trailers but i even stopped watching and i don't even remember mira being in the one or two trailers i saw if she did like you said maybe i blinked or something yeah. but i had that feel that um you know i saw i'm like okay so they do the story i got married you know we fell in love i married and then she disappears and then he's i he's raising his son. I'm like, okay, so now he's following the same way his dad raised him for a few minutes. And then, you know, it, it, it has, it comes full circle, but I, I definitely thought it was going to be the, the single father storyline for a bit there too. And without an explanation to what happened to Mira, which would have, which would have, um, I think tanked the movie. So I'm glad they did what they did. I mean, they lead you down that path, but they don't leave a void. They, they fill that void quickly and then bring it back, I guess, where it needed to be for the storyline. Yeah, early in the movie, Black Manta. Okay, we're spoiling the movie. So if you're watching this, obviously we, as always, we spoil stuff. So yeah, and it did. The warning be, did come. Yeah. There it is again. So. Right. So so be warned. But early in the movie, Black Manta he attacks Atlantis, and um, you know, he's 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 going for revenge. He wants to kill everyone. He he says like, you know, I'm I'm gonna kill everyone in Aquaman's family. Gonna kill him. Like, and 
you know, going to get payback, going to avenge his father's death. So when he attacks Atlantis, he actually um, does like the laser beams on uh, onto Mira, and she's burned very badly. I, initially, I was like, oh, wow, they're going to kill her off in the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then they kind of like, she goes to like a hospital, kind of, you know, underwater yep. hospital, and it kind of writes her out of the movie for a little bit. However, she comes back and she's in a lot more of this movie than I expected. And I think a lot more than most people expected. I was one of those people. I was in, yeah. I was like, wow. And I, I think that, you know, like, okay, so I don't, besides this, this movie, I don't know that I've seen Amber Heard in anything. I think this is the only, only movies I've seen her in are in Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League and the two Aquaman films. And I, I'm not here to like critique her. Mm-hmm off-screen issues or her even her acting but I, I think she does play this character very well and i think that like it to me i i'm glad they didn't punish the character for the actor's misdeeds or whatever because i i think it was to the point where they couldn't recast because they'd already shot the movie and, uh, i know Brittany, who's yep. Brit- Brittany, who is a you know huge john depp fan she is not happy with what i'm saying but i just hear me out i have a you know i have a there's a rhyme to my reason is what i'm trying to say um i do think that i mean from all reports they did they did i think try to recast her but they just could not make it work and contractually they were kind of bound to bound to have her in the in the film so uh and i think i mean they could have fired her but it would have looked like it was like retaliation at that point it didn't seem like the right thing to do so but her in this role she's fine like i mean her character plays her part and I, I think Aquaman needs to have Mira in the movie, whether it's Amber Heard or whether it's somebody else. I think Amber Heard fills this spot perfectly well. Um, I, I didn't have a problem with her in the film. And I think, you know, whenever she, there's a part when she returns to the movie after being kind of taken out in the, in the beginning, when she returns and makes a save for him, she, you know, she saves uh, Aquaman, you know, her, she has, she's using her power. She, you know, she can manipulate, control water and her eyes are glowing. And that that shot is like straight out of the comics. I've been reading some Aquaman comics the last few weeks, and like that's taken from a you know comic from within the past ten years. So I thought she was actually perfectly fine in the role. Uh, what are your thoughts on Amber Heard? So real quick, and we consistently we talked about consistently the storyline, consistently of the cast. The cast. I mean, I was glad that the big names all came back. Um, and again, I was surprised, but when, when she needed to show up and be um, Mira, she, she did a fine job and in, you didn't have that feel that she didn't want to be there. She didn't, it, you know, cause some actors when there some weird goes on, you can kind of tell that, um, you know, it's training even their performance, but you know, she did what she did and you know, you get people typecast. It's I, I'm going to have a hard time, you know, seeing anybody else's Aquaman. I think she's probably a Mira until I see a different or better Mira um in what's happening with with uh james gunn taking over but i agree with everything you said i wasn't i was i was surprised and not disappointed is are, are my comments on on her yeah. performance and how she and the role of mirror in this film again one of the i think uh, in one of the battles wasn't it uh, orm that called back about how mira you know she's always seeming to come in for the save I, he made a, a comment a funny comment to alchemand well here she you know she she saved you the first time from me you know she right. helped so <laughs> there's yeah. some good callback to that that was a great scene because you know Aquaman's like, yeah, you know, I kicked your ass in the you know the first time we fought, and, and Orm's like, actually, Mira kind of got like that's true. Yep. She she did like she obviously, you know, Aquaman was like dead to rights basically that first fight with Orm. So uh, yeah, you know, honestly, I think she was like in the right amount of the film. She wasn't it wasn't like overpowering, and I right. think for the people who don't want to see her, I, I don't think like 
she was in too much of the film, but she was in more than we were led to believe because Absolutely. the trailer is like literally she's in the one scene they showed in the trailer was the scene where when Mantis with uh, when Black Manta when he first attacks, she punches his like you know he's in that I don't know if it's like a submarine kind of deal right. and like she punches the glass and that's the one thing you saw in the trailers and that's it. Okay. So it's I mean it's like literally a two second kind of clip, um, but yeah no she was fine she did did a good job I uh, you know clearly she won't be continuing this character no one from this universe right. will be continuing in these roles or I, I should say no one from this film at least, um, but uh, yeah it I know it was a big talking point going into the film but you know it's kind of surprising she was in it as much as she was but she did a fine job and really it's not a big deal and it's really like the character. The character is more important than the person who portrays the character. I agree. In, th- in this sense. Now, in other senses, like, yes, like Tony Stark, like Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. You know, that there are certain characters that are def- actors who define their characters. She didn't define Mira, but she did a good job. And so, you know, it's fine. It's it's over and uh, <laughs> we're moving on. But uh, it was a it was a part of the movie that I think you had to address. Okay. I agree. Agreed. Um. Going back to like the funny lines, you know, the a lot of it, like I said, the buddy comedy of it, you have Patrick Wilson playing off of uh, Jason Momoa and, you know, Aquaman's trying to convince Orm that, you know, the surface is better than the you know, the, the sea <laughs> and, you know, like, like, you know, the, especially the food. And he's telling me about, you know, eating greasy burgers and all this kind of stuff. And then they, they encounter they're on this island. They encounter this very big cockroach. Like I've not seen a cockroach that big, but pretty good sized cockroach. And he tells uh, Jason or Aquaman tells Orm to eat the cockroach. He's like, "Yeah, they're they're the shrimp of the of the land or whatever." Yep. And it's you know, it's pretty disgusting, but he bites into it. He actually enjoys it, which then points us to there's one mid credit scene in this movie. There's not a post credit. There's a mid credit, and it's just a payoff of the joke I was just talking about, where Orm he's having a greasy burger at this place, and there's a cockroach on the table. He s- grabs the cockroach, smashes it in his burger, and then eats it. Gets that kind of crunch sounding. What'd you think about the whole cockroach of it all? <laughs> the one thing I did like is when they're talking about all the food, steaks, you know, burgers, yeah. and all that. He goes, "What are these words?" <laughs> he says, "Like doesn't even recognize what that." That yeah. was a funny line, and that got a good chuckle too because he didn't understand words of the surface surface dwellers' foods. Um, I thought it was interesting they picked a cockroach. I guess you know I, I I'm not aware of people eating cockroaches for survival. I've, I was used to locusts. So I kind of expected a locust versus a cockroach, but yeah, it, it, I, I got the point. And then of course the, the one uh, mid credit scene, just now both vouch as a spoiler. Don't, don't sit around. There's nothing afterwards. It's just the mid credit. Yeah. Um, it was entertaining and you could kind of see it coming. Um, I was wondering where it went, but then we came back to him on at, with the beer and the guy said, I don't even, t-, and then I saw the cockroach land. It's like, okay, he kind of, it kind of set it up pretty easy, but it was entertaining at the point and his facial expression. I mean, Patrick Wilson, um, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of other movies. Um, I know he's in the Watchmen, and, but he plays a more serious role to see the, a more lighter humor side of him was, was very interesting. So. Yeah. He's in a lot of those movies with James Wan or those like horror movies, like mm-hmm. the Annabelle and, Okay. Stuff that I haven't watched, but he's like in those kind of movies. Uh, so that's that's partially why he was in was in this film series was because of his uh, ties to the director. Right. So, but no, he he was great. I think um, I think it was not you know because in the first movie he he's mainly the the main he's the main villain. In this one he becomes like the you know it's very much like Loki. It's very much like 
you know, kind of like Thor Dark World. Honestly, this movie is very similar to that movie in a lot of ways. Um, and that that movie is not one of my favorite MCU movies, but uh, but you know, the MCU and the DC are definitely on different levels. I, I was having I was having um, uh, Ragnarok feels, especially with the humor and the interaction, because between in the MC, you know in the in that movie Ragnarok, there was so much more humor and interaction between Thor and Loki. You know the you know, let's do the let's do the get help scene and stuff like that. I was yeah. I was waiting for them to do kind of a get help scene or something like that, but it, it it was very entertaining. And again, you know, two two action pack actors that you know um, aren't really known for their comedic side. And again, especially Patrick Wilson, I thought he did a great job with with a lot of that stuff with facial expressions and with just maybe relaxing and letting someone maybe I don't know James one let let them do a little more um, freestyling, but they they seem to play off each other for the most part. Um, you know, you did mention the comedy. I thought it hit almost every time. I, I thought it really between the two of them, at least it was, you know, a lot of those comments were, you know, I'd say Jason Momoa did a majority of them, but Patrick Wilson had his, had his comebacks and his lines. So it, it made, it, it made this, it made the whole movie more enjoyable, you know, keeping yeah. having a good light laugh. So. Yeah. I think the movie definitely gets better whenever Orm enters the, mm-hmm. the film. I think that, that was a, like breaking him out of prison. That was a good scene. And just, Really, from then on, I think the movie's pretty pretty solid. And then, I thought the ending was pretty was pretty surprising. There was there were actually surprises in this film. Like I thought there was a couple times where it seemed like Orm was going to flip. You know, he's he's kind of a good guy in this movie because mm-hmm. he's helping his brother. But there were a couple opportunities in the movie where it seemed like he was going to go bad again. There's a part where um, uh, Dolph Lundgren's character, which is uh, King, I think it's King Neris, is the name of the character. Yeah, King Neris. He is uh he's also Mira's father. He's the king of Zebel. And he's like handing out weapons to his his soldiers for the this upcoming mm-hmm. battle. And he doesn't give Patrick Wilson's character, you know, uh a weapon. Or he gives him like a he gives him like an axe or like a Versus little a laser rifle. Right. Right, yeah. right, right. Because basically <laughs> uh you know, he's saying that, you know, this, you know, he doesn't trust him, you know. And then there's a part later where King Neris gets attacked by believe an octopus of some sort of something like something with long tentacle legs gets a hold of him and orm looks like he's gonna let him just die and then he of course makes the save uses a little axe and and chops off the tentacle and and saves king air so that was kind of surprising but then later on in the film when you know it's basically if you hold this black trident you imbue this power of this king norvax this the 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 necros uh, uh the king of necros or whatever and Orm gets a hold of it. And we find out that Orm's story is very similar to Necris's story, whereas or Norvax's story, because Norvax was the brother of it, of Atlan, who is the, the original king of Atlantis. And he was banished to this, you know, lost kingdom for for his uh for his misdeeds. And it's a it's a very similar storyline to what happened with Orm and, and Arthur. So I, I thought it was cool they showed us that, but then there's also a part where you know, Orm then becomes the villain for a brief moment before Arthur kind of snaps him out of it. So what did you think about those? Like, did you think that Orm was actually going to become a villain again? Cause I mean, he is kind of in the comics. He's it's kind of mm-hmm. like either, or he's mostly villainous. So what'd you think about that? So the one thing I want to go about the comedy, I know when they're handing out the, the weapons and uh, he, he gets the actor's laser rifle. I think the one guy that actually um, the actor is a John rise, rise Davis that, voices Gimli and yeah, Lord of the Rings he actually says he doesn't he doesn't like you very much I like how he said that you know that was well that was some well-placed comedic line when he gets the axe and he's the the, the crustacean talking characters like ah, he doesn't like you very much um 
And then to see him come back around and use the axe to cut the tentacle, I thought was, was a redemption scene. I was wondering at first there, if it was going to be a turn on plot that, you know, he becomes, he takes the black trident and then, and then Aquaman turns to black Manta at that point who clearly lost his power and was going to maybe, you know, for there's probably a 30, 15 to 30 second going thing, watching that going, is this going to do a plot twist turn? But then he stuck with, you know, he stuck with trying to talk his brother down and all that. So, but you know, for, I'd say for a solid 15 seconds, I was watching that as I saw the green eyes and the green powers leave black Manta and, you know, he's not letting go of the trident. I'm like, Oh, is this going to be a, 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 a plot twist, you know, turn kind of thing, but then it wasn't. So, but I saw the possibility being there. Um, you know, you're wondering too, especially that look, you know, Patrick, Patrick Golson can do some great facial expressions when he disappears. Why, um, why Dolph Lundgren's characters, you know, hanging there. It's kind of like, Hmm, you know, is this, is if, if this is a prelude to what might happen down the road when they get yeah. the black trident. So the, I agree with you. There was some good, there was some good, um, uh, um, allusion to what could possibly happen and where, where arms, where arms, personality for like better term can stand where he's you know arms about orm for the most part unless exactly. until until aquaman can talk him about doing things for the greater good of everybody so yeah yeah they definitely played with your emotions a little bit like it wasn't like it's cut and dry i like that i like that it was kind of like oh it could have gone either way and i could right. see it either way so i thought that was kind of cool well done um just want to say uh yesenia's joined us in the chat good to see her she's she's one of our regulars so thanks for joining us we appreciate it we are talking about aquaman lost kingdom so uh you have any thoughts or questions let us know in the chat um moving on let's see um what did you think about the way i guess black manta died right we're, we're kind of meant to believe he 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 chose death over the help of aquaman because like i said in the first film manta is trying to get aquaman to help his dad because his, his dad they're in the submarine it's sinking something really heavy falls on Manta's dad and only, you know, only Arthur Curry could lift that off of him. And, uh, you know, black Manta's like pleading with Aquaman to make the save, but Aquaman's like, you know, you've, you've messed with the sea and you've got what you deserve and you let him die. Then in this film, after what transpires with, uh, with, uh, you know, Aquaman having to defeat the, the, the King of, uh, of Necris. And, you know, once, uh, Manta is free of that, evil power. I mean, he's still Black Manta. He still hates Aquaman. He's like hanging off a ledge and uh, Aquaman offers him his hand and Black Manta like he's like, nope, I'd rather die. <laughs> and he just falls. Like, I thought that was a very like strong moment for that character to be like, you know what? Like, I, you know, I'd rather die than, t- than have you help me. Did you notice it hung there for about 10, 15 seconds with the music yeah. too? And I, I honestly thought he was going to reach up and, and, and then, uh, and then go grab his forearm, do the, you know, the brother forearm, pull him up. I, yeah. I, that's what I kind of expected just to, for, cause everything was becoming the happy ending or the, you know, the positive ending. Um, I, when he did that though, I guess it reinforced his character and how much he, he uh, just has hate for Aquaman for not, for not rescuing his father and why he yeah. was, why this whole thing started. Um, and unlike other things, like we talked about the end of the Mandalorian, I don't think he survived that. Cause you see his body snap against the rocks when he's fallen. Yeah. So I think there's no, and obviously with all sorts of things, there's, they, they put a end to that storyline quick in that. So I, I don't think these come, you know, he might come back in, um, he might come back in, uh, in a different form or obviously when James Gunn's running, the the dcu but um they i thought it was initially surprising but then at the end you know it, it did tie up that storyline that nope i'm i'm yeah. just not a fan of aquaman and he can i'd rather die than be have anything to do with him be saved by him so yeah i feel like if if 
Manta, if what happened in this movie was a comic, then Manta would definitely pop up later on because the comics, the characters mm-hmm. continue forever. That's just how it is. Right. But you're right. In the movie, I think we're definitely meant to believe he died because of you know the situation they were in. Like, how is he going to survive? He, yes, he has a power suit, but it's it's kind of damaged, and he doesn't have the power of the Black Trident anymore. So, uh, yeah, R.I.P. to Manta. I thought uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen of the second was great. I think he was great in this character. Um, in both films. I mean, the first Absolutely. film, he wasn't in the film a whole lot. This film, he's definitely featured way more and he is going to continue in the superhero realm. He's going to play wonder man for, uh, for Marvel. So, wow. yeah, it's going to be, suppose it's going to be a Disney plus series. So we will see him okay. again. Of course, he was also in the uh, Watchmen HBO series from a few years back. So he was, uh, he played a, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it. He plays a very prominent character mm-hmm. in, uh, that show as well. So, uh, we will see him again. Unfortunately, this is his end in the DCU. Of course, everyone's end because it's yep. the final movie. So, uh, and speaking of endings, uh, Drew, what what do you think about how Arthur and Mira just said like to, to Orm? They're you know instead of like basically the premise was we need Orm to help us out, and after he's fulfilled his duty, we're going to send him back to this prison so he can pay for his crimes from the first movie. But after all that transpires in this movie, they decide to you know what like you're good we'll let you go in fact we're we'll just tell everybody you died and you know we didn't find the body in this icy icy waters what did you think about that ending for orm to allow him to just go on about his way i thought it was an appropriate ending i mean he did so much when you save the earth and save you know save our planet i think it it doesn't serve (laughs) it wouldn't be true justice i was honestly surprised because as much as aquaman complained about the non-fun stuff of being the king i almost kind of thought he was going to just turn that back over to mm-hmm. um, Orm and then go on being Aquaman. But again, since it's not progressing with what's going on with the DCU and James, under James Gunn, you know, I kind of figured he was going to turn that over and then just be a, be part of the justice league. But again, the way it did, I thought it was, and then this storyline, I thought it was an appropriate ending and it was, you know, uh, uh, a nice, and, you know, there was some humor in the ending too, about, you know, they're all got on the same page. Uh, you'd be hard to find a body amongst all these chunks of ice. So I, I liked it. And I, you know, he'll he he'll you know unlike loki he was not dead dead so he's you know if, if the storyline continued he was out there and probably could be called upon to help again so yeah i think it's you know like people wanted mirror to be killed off because of the amber heard stuff mm-hmm. and i think like to me it's really tough when you kill off characters because you know who knows if this movie did really really well they could have us you know continue this this uh this franchise you know because even with dc they do have a an Elseworlds kind of label that in theory, if Aquaman two is a massive success, they could bring it, everyone back. Now that's not going to be a reality. We don't think, but in theory you could. So it's good that they didn't kill off every character. Uh, but I think Manta, obviously his, his death seemed pretty, pretty apparent uh, from what we saw. Speaking of, uh, you know, other parts of the, the ending, um, so toward the end, of the, so one of the big parts of the movie was the fact that, um, and, and Drew, I want you, I want to get your thoughts on this: the global warming aspect of the film, <laughs> right? And this apparently this is a big part of what Jason Momoa contributed to this script. Okay. He wanted to make that, like, hey, we have this 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 crisis that we're facing as a as a world, and uh, so he wanted to include that in the film. And in the film, we have this. There's this substance. It's like a it's like a substitute for oil. It's called or 
or Callum, I believe is what it's called. Anyway, it's this green glowing power that uh, is uh, is found in the uh, Lost Kingdom, and uh, it's basically heating up the Earth, right? Which I think the timing of this movie coming out right now is pretty appropriate because, especially around art, you know, in the U.S., pretty warm. And here we are in, in December, and even like you're you're in Wisconsin, and yep. you know, it's what fifty two degrees today and no snow, oh. so <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> And I, I'm in Houston. It's like 70 degrees. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we don't hardly ever have snow anyway, but uh, right. v- very, uh, very warm for December 22nd. But what do you think about the, the overtones or the, of the, you know, not that it was like mentioned a ton, but we definitely got to talk about, or, or we, it was definitely a, a part of the movie was global warming and the impact of like how basically humans are destroying the earth. And that's kind of the, the premise of many of, the um you know the atlanteans that's kind of their thought on the the characters regardless yeah that that's their thought on the surface rollers like throughout the comics forever so it's it's not necessarily a new thing but uh it was a part of this story and as i was watching that yesterday i was thinking of things we'd be talking about today and i know as we were prepping to go live i mentioned that to you i said boy there was a huge uh, environmental you know um save the planet theme to it and i didn't realize again i didn't do any social media stuff because i want to stay away you know i like to do that to not be influenced but the fact that if that's what jason momona brought momoa brought that's very interesting uh it and you know right or wrong you you science proves you know when we were all trapped in our houses just a short three and a half years ago and not driving everywhere you could see the you know the pictures of the earth within weeks clearing up and um i think i think about even back to endgame when half of the population's gone they talk about whales in, in the hudson i mean there was definitely some stuff that we need to be aware. And you talk about weather swings, you know, in the last couple of years, we've had a year ago at this time, it was zero and we had 18 inches of snow to what this is. So I I think it was, I think we just, you know, using the platforms of entertainment to make people aware that, you know, things are going on in our environment. I know, um, depend, you know, there's a political and there's a a science stand too, but, um, you know, there's, I don't think at times we're helping, helping our environment with what some of the things we're doing. So yeah. I think there's just a, so, so I think some of these people use their, use the entertainment platform just to keep social consciousness and social awareness. I thought it was interesting though. I mean, they accelerate a lot of things. So they, they didn't just, uh, they tied in the story though, too, because these, the, they were frozen in ice and um, because they were trying to heat up the planet originally with the, this or, or Callum or, or column stuff. And, um, you know, and that was going to change the species of the planet. And they showed a prelude to that. And some of the visions, the people that grabbed the black trident were seeing, and even in the storyline that Orm shared about the, the seventh and lost kingdom, um, you know, it, uh, I thought it was interesting though, that, you know, that that volcano sure was a one picture image of, you know, polluting the atmosphere of, you know, mm-hmm. a, a one volcano can actually have so much effect for months after its explosion and the fact that it was there, but, you know, you and I mentioned that I thought that was an interesting part in, there's no way of not picking up on that from, from this movie. I was just, that was like, wow, that I made a note of that with, I mean, within the first 15 minutes of the movie, you, you could see that this was going to become a theme. So. Yeah. No, no, you did. They're totally right. And I think, uh, I think they made it work pretty well with, with the storyline for the movie. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, there's a lot, there's a lot to it, but, uh, you know, you know, for a superhero movie to like tackle global warming, I, th- I think they made a nice attempt. It was a good, you're right. It's nice to like let people know, like, hey, this is actually happening in our world. But I mean, in the film, it it does kind of make sense to what's going on with the plot of the story. So, I think it worked out pretty well. Um, 
We have a question from Yesenia in the chat about CGI post-Avatar. Now, I admittedly, I've not seen either Avatar movie. Drew, have you seen the Avatar films? I saw the first one. I have not seen the second one the yet. First one. Okay, so um, I know the CGI is being critiqued quite all. I mean, all these movies, they always are. And I, I will say, just from my point of view, I don't think this movie looks as good visually as the first one did. Now, now I, 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 from what I've heard and what I've kind of briefly seen on my own, I, I think people widely regard the Avatar movies as looking fantastic. In fact, I think they look so good that you know the doesn't even matter. The story is kind of pedestrian, which I've, that's what I've heard about those movies. That the story is just kind of whatever, but it looks so cool that you're like in this underwater world, right? But to me, this one doesn't look as good as the previous one. But to me, all of these movies, all the recent superhero movies from the last two or three years, none of them look as good as the ones that were made five, six, seven years ago. And I think that's simply because they make so many of them. And obviously we've had a pandemic that obviously, you know, affected the the scheduling and it created a time crunch for a lot of this stuff. But I just, think, I don't think they spend enough time in these movies. And that's why they don't look as good as they did say in the, you know, late 2010s or early, early 2010s. Uh, Drew, what was your, what do you think about the the way the movie looked visually and the CGI of all of it? I think they were trying to do so much with the, with what this, um, that compound, whatever it was called, was doing that. I mean, the jungle scenes were, um, it definitely was not avatar quality uh, from the movie avatars. Um, but I mean, I don't know how else they could do it. Uh, it, it, it was, it wasn't so bad that, you know, you've seen some bad CGI. It wasn't bad CGI, but it was not great or fantastic CGI. So I I agree. I agree with you on that. So. Yeah, you send me in the chat mentions there's a lot of standing, a lot of beard hair wave. And like I think some of that it's kind of cool that they like really like show that like, hey, like a person like Jason Moa has long hair, or Nicole Kidman, when she's in the movie, she has long, she's not in the movie very much, but when she you know, she's obviously has a lot of long hair, and so does Mira. And so I think it's kind of cool that they show the movement of the hair, but it does look kind of wonky sometimes on Jason Moa, because obviously you see him the most. The one scene that I did think the CGI looked kind of bad was the first time when Orm and and um and Arthur are in that ship after they've after they've escaped from the the prison area you know from the prison uh planet or whatever the prison mm-hmm. kingdom um when they go to the pirate but, kingdom yeah that, yeah that, the yeah. Pirate, yeah when they're in that ship and there's just the two of them you know you know it, like, it looks I agree with you there I mean that looked like like just two dudes in front of a green screen and yeah, it it was not great. I mean, I'm talking about like everything looked yes pretty bad. Like there's probably some people on YouTube that could recreate that and maybe do a better job at their home. You know, like it that part of it I thought was was pretty rough. But all the like all the animal like, you know, when they're showing like, you know, like uh the, the dolphins or the shark or the you know killer whales, all that stuff looks pretty good to me. Again, not as good as it maybe did in the first one, but I think that's just because of the time commitment to the movie. I agree with you on that. I mean, yeah, there's, it, I, I thought they had too many orcas and whales in that one yeah. scene. I was like, did you really need that many? That was kind of overpopulous. Um, and, and, How and many are there? there yeah. so many, exactly. I was like, wow, that, that just seemed a little overkill. But um, yeah, that, I, I, I agree with you on that one scene. I was like watching that going, that's looking a little you know, less than par, but then they, they, it was, it was, you know, and then they flipped to the other stuff going on with the, with the pirate, with the, that pirate kingdom or 
area of the pirates. So yeah. Another scene where the CGI looks kind of uh, strange is the one of the final scenes of the movie when uh, you know Aquaman he's long set he he believes like hey like the only way the world the planet's going to survive is if the surface and the and the sea can you know come together so like mm-hmm. we need to Atlantis needs to reveal itself to the world and then we can you know we can use our technology to help the world and that you know the surface dwellers can use their technology to help us and vice versa so. The very end of the film, he's doing like a press conference behind a podium, and it looks that looks horrible. Looked bad. <laughs> yeah, he's in his suit now. To me, in that green, like that orangey green suit, it looks pretty good. I think that suit looks great. Like it looks like almost like chain metal or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, the suit looks good. No, nothing against the suit, but the background, like he's like he's like behind, like in front of this body of water at a podium, looks super fake and then he he says something that's like very much a ripoff of tony stark at the end of iron man where he says he, like i am aquaman which i thought was a like it definitely was like trying to parody the mcu but to me like i, I had a lot of questions i'm like is the mcu like a movie franchise in the dceu or i, I just i mean obviously they're winking at the audience but it was just kind of like him saying I am I am Aquaman, it's like, well, yeah, we know you're dressed as Aquaman. Like <laughs> in Iron Man, Tony Stark was was Tony yeah. Stark dressed as the businessman, play the right. playboy, whatever. Yep. And he tells the world he's Iron Man. If he showed up in the Iron Man suit and goes, Oh, by the way, I'm Iron Man, everyone's like, Yeah, we can see you're wearing the suit. You know, like just kind of a strange uh ending for the film. Yeah, and, and the fact that he's not with a helmet and a mask, too. It's like Aquaman is no, it's it's not like uh you know, even a pair. Of, I, I still always laugh for. Uh, I know you're, and I, I, I know you're a Superman fan. I have nothing in Superman, but just the fact that a pair of glasses can make yeah. someone look or not. Um, you know, ver, ver, versus you know the. I loved how they did it in the dark. You know, you and I are huge uh, Nolan fan movie yeah. of the Dark Knight, but you know the Bruce Wayne and the, who's behind the mask of you know Batman. That's it's just it's a known fact. I even think from the first one that you know the they talk about the Aquaman. So it's it, yeah. it was it was just something funny. I mean, just you know this was it. So maybe going out they just tried to do something a little yeah. a little humorous. So yeah, I, I think you nailed it. I think they're just like, hey, this is the, this is it. Let's just like let's have a funny moment. Mm-hmm. But you know, for someone who's like really into these movies, I'm just like that's kind of weird that you like <laughs> this was i mean odd, but... the first mcu movie kicked off with that line and then now the final dceu movie ends and... with that line but it doesn't really make sense for the dceu whereas like for the mcu it was like perfect you know so um maybe that's kind of a you know a correlation between like what has happened with those universes uh over the last uh 10 15 years but uh very very strange uh ending um so anyway, uh, you know, pretty much every character from the first movie returned, except for one, one notable character who was not in this movie was Volko, played by Willem Dafoe. Apparently, he did not return due to scheduling conflicts. And Andrew, I want to get your thoughts on this. It seemed like in the movie, there's a part where where Aquaman's talking to his his, his father, you know, right. played by Tamora Morrison, and they make it sound like Volko died. Yeah, I heard, and I don't, and I went back to, and so I saw the first one. Yeah. I'm like, nothing. There was, you know, you said you remember what happened to Volko, kind of thing, and there was Volko was there at the end of the first Aquaman. Yeah. So I thought it was, um, I guess I was they're trying to address it, and they went quick because, uh, you know, yeah. So, 
Yeah, all all Arthur says is, yeah, you know, when they he mentions Volko, and he's like, yeah, I miss him all the time, and it's like, but he doesn't really say that he's dead. But then it's like, well, where is he? It's like, I I think they they kind of wanted to be like ambiguous, but then it's like, I think he's dead. Yeah, well, they did, didn't even finish it with something, you know, uh, you know, I miss him, and then his wasn't his father. Tim Morrison's like, well, you know what? What I can understand, especially after what happened to Volko or something. So they alluded to something, but we don't know what that that something right. is. So right. And then they kind of do it, I think, just to mention his name quick, give him some quick props, but then move on because they need to keep the story going. So yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I get, it. I get the point that you want to explain it, but like, I don't know, like, I think you need to either you need to like explain, like, oh, well, he's he's managing this other kingdom, or he's like, <laughs> yep. I've sent him somewhere else, or right. I agree with you. Yes, he died in this battle. He, he had a huge role in the first yeah. movie, and right. William Defoe is is, is, a, is a is I think a solid actor, and he's honest. Yeah. He's just from uh, down the road south of Green Bay in Appleton. He's a uh, he's from oh. our area from here, and so he's some claim to local claim to fame along with Tony Shalhoub, who's from uh, from Green Bay too, his monk, which is hilarious. So very cool. Yeah, who, who knew? Like that uh, the, yeah. the, the the route to to Hollywood goes through uh, Wisconsin up there. So for some uh, people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For some people. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. I just noticed that. Cause it was like, wow, I, I wasn't sure if they were going to reference it. I knew he wasn't going to be in the movie, but again, it was kind of a strange, like, oh, mm-hmm. well, he's dead, but we didn't see it. And um, from what I understand, the movie is set a few years after the first film. So, you know, in real world, it's five years after the first movie came out, which you know, for a hit movie is a long time to do the sequel, but given the problems the DCU's had internally, and also the, the fact the pandemic is within those five years, I can I can see why this movie, you know, took five years to come out. But in in a in, the, in a perfect world, if you have a movie that makes a billion dollars, you would greenlight the sequel and it would be out in two years. Like it would have been twenty twenty. We would have had, you know, Christmas twenty twenty would have been Aquaman two. I expected so. 2021 to be honest with you. Cause I even yeah. know with black, black widow. And we talked about that in that summer of 2021 and they finally got black widow, which we liked the, you and I both liked the movie and it was, it fit yeah. in and it was a good movie, but I expect, I expected this movie in 2021. So yeah. um, I thought they could have done I mean, I know they had issues and everything that transpired and all that. Um, and I'm not sure how the trial with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard held this up at all either with, with timing of her not being able to be on the scene. So that could have had something to do with it. I wasn't quite aware. I didn't read all the story of how it might have affected the filming of this or not being able to be there for shooting scenes. But yeah, well, the, the movie was uh, was filmed. It was filmed in um, I think I have that information. Let's see. Yeah. So the filming began in June of 2021. Okay. June of 2021. And it concluded in January 2022. Okay. But then they had some reshoots that, that I don't have the information for okay. that happened after that. Um, now, the movie was supposed to originally come out in 2022, and it moved around a couple of times. And because of, like, during those movements, the DCU also kind of went through some changes. Because originally, Michael Keaton's Batman was going to appear in this movie. Because oh, this really? movie yeah, because this movie was was, like, originally, years ago, it was supposed to follow The Flash. And okay. so... Michael Keaton's Batman, which who was introduced in the flash that we saw was going to be, he was going to continue on as the DCEU Batman in kind of a Nick Fury kind of role. Right. And so he was going to play Batman. He filmed a scene with Jason Momoa for this movie, but then they, they moved around the movies and they, they actually had Aquaman coming out ahead of the flash. So like, they're like, well, we can't have Michael Keaton 
in that movie because it won't make sense because we have to introduce him in the flash so they brought ben affleck back ben affleck shot a scene as bruce wayne with with jason moa to like cover up for this scene they mm-hmm. shot with michael keaton well then they moved the movies <laughs> wow, again. I had no idea about this. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. They moved the movies again, where now Aquaman is once again coming on out of after the Flash. And since you know they had announced that, that James Gunn and Peter Saffron were coming in to reboot the universe in 2025 anyway, they're like, well, let's just cut out either either reference to Batman, and uh, you know, just kind of like this will be the final movie of the DCEU. So. That's some serious loss of money, especially bringing some like, you know, I don't know, Michael Keaton's asking prices these days, but yeah. I mean, Ben Affleck is no cheap. <laughs> well, with, with, with Michael Keaton, that's, that's one of uh, like one of three appearances that we won't get to see that he filmed. He filmed a scene with, with Aquaman that we will never see. Probably he filmed an entire movie with Batgirl that we'll never see. Like it's so crazy. They, I mean, so the fact that they brought him back is like one of the greatest achievements of the DCEU to me personally. And that's a super cool thing. Yeah, I but agree. Then, like, but then you had him film two other movies and then you were never going to see the light of day. That's that blows my mind. Like, I just can't imagine that. Yeah. Brittany put it in the chat, the disrespect shown to Michael Keaton. Yes. And really the disrespect shown to a lot of fans, but, uh, um, that's was honestly going to this movie. On a, I go to see my movies. When I go to the movies, I go to Regal Theaters. And on the Regal app, on the description for the movie, the second build actor is Ben Affleck. So they were going off an older you know, description for the film. And I was like, I don't think he's in this movie, but it'd be cool if he were. Of course, he's not in the movie. So there's no Batman. There's no references to any other Justice League or DC characters in this movie either. Did you notice anything? I know not none whatsoever. And there wasn't in the first one either. And I always question the timing of the first one because they sort of introduced Aquaman in, in the, in the justice league. I kind of thought I would have been better to release Aquaman movie, than do the justice league. They did it in a, in a fine manner. Jack Snyder had under control, but I just thought with the, you know, they skimmed over some details and he's there. And then, then then they have this big full blown movie about him. I thought that should have gone then. um, And and I'm trying to think where the timing was because, was Wonder Woman before or after the Justice League? No, she she had already shown up in Donna Justice, so we were aware right. of her presence. So right, yeah, she she appeared in BBS, uh, yeah, yep. Donna Justice. But then, um, yeah, you're right. So Aquaman was introduced. I mean, Aquaman was technically in BBS. Also, you see him on this like he's introduced. It's like this like Lex Luthor has the 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 video yes, fan the, files yeah, the video of, of Aquaman. Right. Yep. So you see him there, but right. his first actual film was Justice League, right? And in in that movie. Mira is in the movie, but she has an English accent, which they they ditched that in Aquaman. But you're right in the first Aquaman movie, they reference Mira actually references that you defeated Steppenwolf talking to Aquaman. So like that's the only reference that they ever make to the the Justice League or the DCU is the fact that Aquaman helped take down Steppenwolf. And Drew, speaking of Steppenwolf, we both <laughs> noticed in this movie. The song Born to be Wild that everyone's heard, whether you've heard this song in its entirety or just on commercials and other movies throughout the years, was very prominent in this movie, especially for the uh, motorcycle scenes where Jason Moe is like driving his own personal motorcycles in the movie. What did you think about Born to be Wild and the fact that it's by the band Steppenwolf? 
I mentioned that too. I just thought it was ironic. I mean, it fit the scenes and it fits Jason Momoa's love of, of motorcycles, dirt bikes and all that. I just always chuckle because I, I don't know all of DC, the DC comics as well as I know the, the Marvel. So I wasn't sure about, um, you know, Steppenwolf from when I saw Justice League, but then um, it was, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> Those are hilarious comments. Um, yeah, I mentioned to you too. I just thought it was funny. I was like, hey, there's some Steppenwolf and they fought Steppenwolf in the Justice League now yeah. six years ago. So just a humorous kind of thing. Fans like us or super fans yeah. like us notice. Yeah, you wonder if that's like a, an Easter egg or if it's just like, hey, like. Pure coincidence. We we want to use this song and they just have, yeah, total coincidence <laughs> that they're, they happen to be the band that sings the song. And it's a, I mean, it's a, to me, it's a song that's overused. Like I, not that I don't like the song. The song's fine, but it's just like it's so you. It's it's my like I bet it's been like in twenty commercials in my lifetime. You know what I mean? It's been so many commercials. It's been so many movies. It's just like wow. Like you're really like this is a like find something new in my mind. Find something like that you don't hear all the time. Real quick Be about song, songs and characters. If I recall the the Terminator from nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety one when he comes out, doesn't isn't it too bad to the bone? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. That was like one of the, you talk about movies and scenes that were perfect. That's always one that's always going to be like, you did, they nailed that one. Sorry to yeah. really go off on. <laughs> no, on no, that's engine, a good point. The, the thing is just, yeah. that one was hilarious. I love that. So, yeah, but, but see, you're right. That one fits the movie to me mm-hmm. better than, I, I mean, I guess the song actually kind of fits uh, the Arthur Curry character pretty yeah. well, but it's just such a, it's an overused song yeah. for movies I, and commercials. Uh, you know, real yeah. quick, and something that we both love as the MCU is uh, the use of ACDC in the Iron Man movies, especially with th- shoot the thrill. You know, when he's doing his yeah. stuff with the suit and all that. That's they've 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 done some good good stuff with with that. So yeah, I know you. I can't disagree with you. Know, we both are on the same page. It isn't overused, but it was just neat to see in the fact that they fought a villain named Steppenwolf. It was it was entertaining, extra yeah. entertainment. Yeah, and uh, we also learned in this movie if we didn't know before that uh aquaman slash arthur curry slash jason momoa really likes guinness beer there's a lot there's a lot of guinness in this movie drew what'd you think about that i i don't know much about him personally i guess he must because and the fact that they got some i mean obviously they paid to get it but yeah they, they definitely like their guinness beer right so yeah to the point where early in the movie with 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 their you know they got the baby they mm-hmm. open the refrigerator all they have in the in the refrigerator is baby milk and guinness beer that's it yeah um you know something else about this film that i want to touch on briefly was the fact that in the comics and even in these in these in the dc movies there's always like this joke that aquaman can talk to (laughs) now in the in the comic books they explain it like you know aquaman is very annoyed by this and he even in some of the dcu stuff he's annoyed by it because it's not so much that he talks to them, but he can communicate with them like, telepathically. Right. Now, in this movie, we see that Junior, the baby, can also do the same thing. But then we see Aquaman talking about it later, and like he he basically just kind of gives in, like, yeah, I can talk to fish. And I was like, that was kind of a weird, like, I thought he was like so against like like that being a thing, because he, he was always like so offended. Like, if you watch Peacemaker, Jason <laughs> Moa has the cameo about... You know, yep. it's it's more than talking to fish. Yes, but uh, you know the cameo is 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 a, you know, is basically around along the same lines, and he's so offended by by the the assertion that he can talk to fish or do other things with, with fish, and um, 
I don't know. I thought it was just kind of strange. He's just like, yeah, I can talk to fish. He just like, I, I, I thought it's part of the humor. At, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I thought it's part of the humor aspect where he's saying these things. And he was like, I talk to fish because we know how much he hates that. The fact that he concedes it, but the way he says it with that bit of sarcasm, I, I just, it was, it was entertaining. It was funny, entertaining. So I think that's what I got out of that, but I did notice that too. So I thought it was interesting that they had juniors start talking to fish right away like that. Yeah. Too. Right away. And, and, and they also, what was neat in the movies when junior calls out to his dad via tele telepathically, cause the kid can't speak. And I was like, okay, that's, that was cool. They did that. You know, I don't know enough about the comics and I don't know if he has a son in the comics. Um, I have some team ups with him and green and green arrow and stuff, but yeah, that's neat that, you know, they did that and he was able to, you know, bring his dad in to help and save him. So. Yeah, no, he does have uh, a son in the comic. Okay. Yeah. It has a couple different children, but, um, the, the, the one we see in this film, uh, Arthur Jr. in the comp, there is a comic book or a comic storyline where Black Manta does kill the baby. And so oh. in this movie, the baby is put in jeopardy, which was kind of shown in the trailers for this film. And I was really interested, like, are, are they going to like kill the baby? Because, again, it's kind of like the surprising stuff with how Black Manta dies and also with whether Orm is going to be a good guy or bad guy in the end. To me, they did a good job of like, keeping me in suspense because i honestly thought like they might kill the baby like who knows like uh you know in the flash they put babies in microwaves so like <laughs> the dcu well, they, we talked they, about that <laughs> yeah we did um and a lot of people did not like that scene but um did you think the baby might die because i thought maybe so i with the rating of the movie i don't know storyline you did so i didn't go into having any known or inner premonitions um I didn't think so. I just, it's, it's it too much of a, too much of, we're going to end this on a positive note and the good guys are going to win. So I, I didn't foresee that coming. I thought I was going to get really close. Yeah. Um, I thought he might've cut the baby and that was going to be a little disturbing. You know, yeah. I, I kind of, I wasn't sure, you know, and then he actually hits him and causes, you know, in the face to cause the blood. But I kind of thought that's what was going to happen. He was going to at least, you know, maybe start cutting the baby and then the, that was going to do it and release the King. I was like, Oh boy, that's, but then I looked at the rating. I'm like, that's pretty dark for what this is rated. So, <laughs> you know, when they shadow the baby away too, when he has a knife. So I was like, okay. And then that, then yeah. that ended because that's when you see the telepathy happen. And so that's what I thought. Right. Okay. That's a neat way of how that's going to work out. So. Yeah, you're right. He could have just cut the baby because in the storyline, all, all they need is the, the blood of the bloodline, the Royal line, whether it be from Arthur, from, Atlanta, which is Nicole Kidman's mm -hmm. character, Orm, or now Arthur Jr. Right. So, um, you know, originally the way this movie was portrayed in the trailer, it seemed like the baby might die, and it seemed like the it seemed like the baby and or mirror were going to die early in the film. That's why going in, I was like, I, if they're going to kill one of them, they might kill both of them. They might kill them very soon. But I think the way the movie played out, you know killing the baby would have been a bummer, especially like around Christmas. Like, what are you doing? You know, you, that's, I mean, that's a bummer anyway, but like, uh, DCU's made some screw ups that I don't think it's right. that bad. I agree with you there. <laughs> but I, I thought going into the film, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that because there is like, they did that in the comic books. So it's, it also would kind of, you know, set Aquaman on this like path for revenge to, you know, similar, not, I mean, also, you know, black Manta is also on a path for revenge right. also, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting aspects of this film, honestly. Like, I think, um, I, uh, I think I enjoyed it about as much as I expected to. Which is to say, it's fine. It's, uh, it's you know, I don't know that I'll see it again in the theaters. But once it's on Max or you know mm -hmm. DVD, I'll probably check it out again. What are your kind of final thoughts on the movie? I, I, I you stole my words. I enjoyed it. 
as much as I thought I was going to. Um, you know, it was a good wrap up. And again, I love the consistency of storyline. It's just when you know as we do what's going to happen uh, with the and with the characters and stuff, I, I think they did a great job of just putting finale to it. So it's kind of like, how are you going to carry this through? But they did a good job of making an entertainment, entertaining story in about two hours. Um, you know, it, it I, maybe it's the times, maybe like you said, some people are having superhero fatigue, which I think is sad because we grew up waiting for such things like these to be put on the big screen. But, uh, I know, I know. and once it, once we don't have some while we're going to miss them, then we'll come back and just kick butt wh- whoever does it. And obviously I think James Gunn's going to reboot it. And that's going to be, you know, when everything, you have some somebody new that's come from a successful franchise with the guardians and everything he did in Marvel and some of that other stuff. And even the peacemaker in his first steps into this um, universe, uh, you know, we'll appreciate that. But I, it, it was, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I wasted any time seeing it. I wouldn't, I'm not sure. I'm going to go to a theater and see it again, but definitely I have max. I'll watch it again when it's available. Yeah. So it's, it's a yeah. good fun movie and, and the cast really makes the movie and they, and they help, you know, the storyline's decent, but the cast really helps and make the movie enjoyable. Yeah, and I really think that that's one thing. If you look like now that we're, you know, DCU is over. Now that this movie is out, that's the final film of the DCEU. Um, looking back, it, you know, it went from 2013 to 2023. So 10 year run. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the hallmarks of the DCEU, or one of my favorite aspects, was the casting. I do think the casting for all these characters, the only one I can think of that I did not like the casting for is Lex Luthor. I think they made it work eventually, but in, even initially, I remember when that movie came out, I, I remember telling uh, Brittany at the time, I was like, wow, I don't see this guy as being Lex Luthor. Like, this is like, right. I just didn't, to me, it never made sense for Lex Luthor to look younger than Superman, but that just doesn't, I, I agree. It's just in my mind, it just doesn't it work. never worked in the comic like, series like that. So you get yeah, things just, stuck in your head from the roots of where it comes from. Yeah, yeah I agree. Even though, like in in the real world, like they're both kind of around the same age, or maybe Jesse Eisenberg is slightly older than Henry Cavill, I don't know. But like, it just didn't work. Um, but otherwise, like the casting for this move for these movies have been spectacular. And I, I mean, Jason Momoa looked no further than him. He has, I mean, honestly, Jason Momoa and Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman; those are the two flagship characters from this DCU. It's not Batman or Superman who are the two flagship characters of DC. You know, period. Mm-hmm. Those two characters—they both appeared in in seven different DCU projects over the years. So uh, now some of them were just cameos, but they definitely got a lot of mileage out of those two characters. And uh, so, what what do you think of like looking back at the DCU? Like, what's uh, let's start, just focus on casting. What what were some of the casting things that you liked, or maybe some that you didn't like? I t- I still for I still see um, Henry Cavill as Superman. I mean, mm-hmm. he he he's a he's a strong third behind. You know, I think Gal Gadot Wonder Woman is number one. Jason Momoa is Aquaman, but he is a strong third. Um, I think Batman got floundered around, and uh, you know, I can't. Wasn't it one of the in the two thousands? Did Kevin Spacey play Alex Luthor in one of those movies or something? He did in Superman Returns. That's what it was. So, I mean, I thought he would make a fantastic Lex Luthor. The age differential between Superman and that, the, you know, even if it was Henry Cavill would be, would be great. But, uh, um, you know, you, you know, it, it was good to see these put on the big screen. And I really did enjoy The Man of Steel. I thought it was a great origin story. Um, and the show, the human side of Clark Kent, as he's trying to figure out these powers. I mean, and again, the casting, Kevin Costner, um, Diane Lane, right. I'm trying to think played his mom, yep. Um, yep. you know, and then you have Amy Adams, um, Lawrence Fishburne. So they, you know, there's people that 
I know there's money involved, but there, I think there's some fandom in these stars. We've always talked about these actors and actors that show up in these things. So, I mean, I thought Man of Steel was, was a great movie. And, uh, you know, I think Batman versus Superman um, tried to do what the original did. I mean, the, the thing they left out is they left out, you know, the arrow was going on, on on the WB at the time. If they could have integrated a better green arrow in, into or even have a good green arrow origin story and they brought him in, I thought that would have made it better. Um, you know, I did like the the series on television. I did like the actor that played him. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with everything you say. Those those casting parts were great. Um, you know, is it Ezra Miller? I mean, he made a great flash and was, you know, the, in my in, from what I remember from the, the few flash comics I have, Barry Allen was a little bit older and a little flashback. I'm a little more mature in life. You know, he didn't right, seem, you know, right. so um, it was interesting. They tried to I think they're trying to appeal to a maybe a little bit younger generation. I'm not sure, but he was still a, a fun flash. Um, I do. I did. I didn't buy the Jesse Eisenberg. I mean, he played deceive played a good deceivious villain, but I didn't see Lex Luthor. I just saw a, a villain that was Lex Luthor ish. You know, I know he's supposed to be Lex Luthor, yeah. but. Um, I, I agree with that. I'm trying to think, and obviously the the first Wonder Woman, uh, I, I thought that was, you know, it's I did like Justice League, and I think it really tried to, you know, do an Avengers thing for these movies and 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 have that. I mean, it wasn't a bad story, and the special effects are cool, but I don't want to keep fumbling your words. But yeah, I mean, I I, I agree with you. It, it, it there, I don't have you know too many negatives. I agree with you on Lex Luthor, but I do like everybody else that played the part, except that Batman got floundered around. I think you know a bit much. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people really like Ben Affleck's casting because, I mean, not initially. Initially, people hated it. But once they saw him in the suit, he looked mm-hmm. like the most, like, comic accurate. He was definitely, like, the biggest, like, bulkiest Batman. And I think I think he played a great Batman. The The problem was is they, they never, like, the universe really wasn't, like, built to last. It wasn't. Like the MCU, if you watch the MCU now, and I've, and I've read a book about the MCU. I talked about it on our <laughs> most recent episode. And the MCU doesn't didn't have everything plotted out. Like they didn't have like this master plan, but they did have a plan. And when things would change, they would figure out the best way to go, go with the change, and then just continue to build off that. The DCEU didn't like the thing is the DCEU was born out of the writer for uh, the Dark Knight rises or the dark yeah no yeah the dark knight rises there's david s goyer or maybe it's the dark knight writer anyway he came up with the storyline for for the man of steel and pitched it to christopher nolan who then pitched it to warner brothers and 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 they they originally wanted christopher nolan to do what he did with batman with superman right and so when they built this universe they weren't i mean they weren't building a universe they were just trying to start a new superman franchise and right away you know like they man of steel um i've had a complicated relationship with that movie because i was dying to see it i saw it it there are parts that really bothered me disappointed there's parts that still bother me but over the years i've you know i've come to kind of appreciate that movie and i always love the the score from hans zimmer i think the score is excellent that's probably the my favorite thing from the dceu <laughs> period is just that that music but uh they 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 put out this movie it did relatively well at the box office. However, at the same time, you had Marvel with Iron Man and the Avengers just rolling, just right. turning out billion dollar movies. And the people at Warner Brothers decided, like, oh, like instead of building up the Superman storyline, which might take several movies, and building up his universe, we're gonna like, no, we're gonna fast track, we're gonna get to Justice League because we want to go head to head with Avengers and we want to get in on that Avengers money. And they didn't put in the work. Like, I agree. 
the Marvel universe was built up through, you know, Iron Man, you know, Hulk, yeah. Iron Man Captain 2, American, Captain yep, America, America Thor. Yep. Then you have an Avengers. Like they, they built it the right way. And, you know, the second movie in the DCU, you went from introducing the world to Superman, right? And then the next movie, you're killing Superman and you're bringing <laughs> Batman. Batman wants to kill Superman. And it's just like, it's like, what are you doing? You're, like, you're the second movie, you're killing off, you know, the most powerful character in your universe. And then the next movie you're bringing him back, you know, and then, I mean, the justice league is a whole other kind of like, I mean, so much we could do many podcasts just about the justice league and the Zack Snyder stuff and what happened with that. And we talked about it in the past. They just never got on the right footing. And then they just, then they're, they're like, you said, they were always playing catch up and it, they never could kind of figure it out. And then, even the tone of the movies kind of wasn't consistent. You know, you had this like dark Snyder kind of verse mm-hmm. in the beginning. And then, you know, then you have silly stuff and you have, and then James Gunn brought his flavor to it, which I think a lot of people liked. I know I did. And, uh, it was just kind of, it was kind of all over the place and there's well, good stuff in there, but it just never, it never gels so, together. And, and, you know, I thank you every time you've been br- brought me on as a guest podcast. I do appreciate it. And uh, my comment is, and Kevin Feige, we trust. There can only be one Kevin Feige, and he's kept the, anything Marvel is great. I agree with that mathematical equation down there in the chat, you know. But without a Kevin Feige, I think it's it's survived alongside of what it's had to. And and for the most part, they've been very entertaining. And and the, and where they're falling short just shows that the, everything you said, why there's a lack of things, um, you know, a lack of, you know, they're, they're successful, but they're they're not. Uh, MCU movies and but we yeah. still like you know people do like the DC comics so these movies have been good to see our our comic book heroes put up on the big screen so you know the worst of them all was Green Lantern I don't know if that's on our list I mean obviously no, it, that 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 was probably the worst it. oh didn't even yeah said, so no because that was before the DC okay that that's was all right that's something else the whole I mean I mean there's so many things we could go with this you're right Green Lantern actually was kind of supposed to be the start of something but the, because that movie flop so hard and i mean uh, you know looking back i don't hate that movie it's not very good but it's yeah, not I like don't it's hate like it the, but it's not like the worst <laughs> thing i've ever seen um but you're right but and then the thing is like in the middle you had a movie like joker which wasn't connected at all right. did a billion dollars which was like a, a movie with a low budget that was a huge hit you had they have another batman the batman with robert pattinson which did very well and that's continuing in its own universe. So like they just never could kind of put right. it all together. And that's, that's probably like the story for the DCU is it like, it had great promise. It had great potential. It just didn't totally deliver. And it's a bummer that like, you know, Henry Cavill didn't really get to play Superman. I mean, he, he was cast Superman. He was Superman for a little brief period of time, but he never really got to like really go the whole distance and like live through that character's like, progressions and timeline and like you know kind of embody that character in a full way so it's um i don't know it's <laughs> it's yeah yeah you've seen it hit it on the head i think yeah. the fact that you guys didn't have a draft it explains it so yeah i mean honestly like part of why we didn't have an uh a dcu movie draft is like i think i'm the only person in our watchers group who's seen every movie <laughs> now you drew you've you've seen almost all of them you've seen everyone seen them all Blue beetle Except yeah. Blue Beetle yet. I'm just right. waiting to catch up on but that. I, so. Everyone else, I don't think, maybe Frank has seen almost all of them. I think he's going to see Aquaman 2 this weekend. So, but, but yeah, that's part of it. It's, it just didn't have the buy in that 
the MCU gets. It just, mm-hmm. and it's understandable. It just wasn't, it wasn't as successful. And there's lots of reasons for it. But I, you know, it's even still, I, I'm glad it existed, and I wish it would have done far better. And I'm looking forward to the new DCU, which is a much better name than DCEU. Um, I'm looking forward to James Gunn. I'm looking forward to Superman Legacy. I'm looking forward to all that stuff. I just hope that people in a couple of years still care about superhero movies because right now people are pretty sick of them. Next year, we're getting fewer than we have this year. Um, however, there are two that I think people really enjoy. Deadpool 3 should be very fun. And we get the sequel to Joker. Joker Folia, Folia oh. Do, I think is how you say it. That's, that's coming out next October. So um, there's two big ones coming out. Then there's also uh, three uh, Sony Spider-Man movies without Spider-Man. We have Madam Web, Craven the Hunter, and Venom 3. So uh, those movies probably won't fare too well. But uh, I do wonder like what the future is for superhero movies because we've we've been in this like boom of superhero movies, and I think the bubble kind of burst this past year or so. And, uh, you know, Drew, you and I, we're s- similar in age. Like, you know, growing up, like, we didn't have these movies. Like, we had... Nope. Superman in the 70s and early 80s. We had Batman 89. Yeah. And then that's pretty much it until it, X-Men and Spider-Man. Yeah. You keep forgetting I'm exactly 10 years older than you. <laughs> and yeah. but yeah, I agree. But you grew up, I mean, you grew up, we grew up just in the, you know, we uh I remember loving the Christopher Reeve movies. And when Batman yeah, 89 came out and seeing that Batman, you know, you talked about that. I think when we had the Flash thing, you just seeing that original Batmobile in 89 and then the Bat Chat, that was some cool stuff. And you're hoping that as time went on and special effects and things went on, and obviously the Nolan brothers hit it on the head with their movies. I mean, those as standalone, whatever, those are fantastic superhero movies. And you know, the world, the world is is struggling to be a good place. And I think, you know, we always need our superheroes. I think that's why comic books have lasted this long. I mean, those of us um, that want to do good or make the world a better place are always going to be fans of superhero, whether it's comic or film. So I think they'll they'll last. I think just what happened is it reached out to a general populace of, you know, oh, I've, my cousin read Captain America, I've known Captain America is and, or Spider-Man, but then they saw those movies and they were just, I mean, whether you're fair or not, like you look just two short years ago, you know, no way home. What a movie that was. Right. So exactly. And then, and last year, I, you know, I was a huge, you know, besides no way home, I was a huge fan of, of, of Wakanda forever. Just, you know, they, they, the acting and the cast and they just, and the storyline just gets it's whether you're a fan or not, you become a fan because there's so, hum, so much humanity to it. So, right. So, and, yeah. and, and the thing about real quick is the thing about yeah. Aquaman, you know, a lot of us are parents, have kids, have family, have brothers, have siblings. So there's things that yes, superheroes are superheroes, but it's the humanity part of it that we link to and like so much that after all said and done, there's a human factor to them all that we can relate to. Yeah. And these movies, like, I, I don't think they're all going away completely, but we're definitely going to get fewer of them. And maybe Correct. that's, maybe that's for the better. And maybe that'll make them better. Maybe if we have one or two a year and they're just both, both the movies are great every year that'll but the problem is if that happens what happens in life is if something's successful what do you what do you want more you want more of it and that's why i think now we've kind of reached that saturation point where we're all we've all had enough or i mean honestly i still like this stuff so i'm i'm probably like on the outside of this equation well, but you and i probably yeah. are because yeah we're super, we're super fans of superheroes right, right? so <laughs> but um but i can understand why other people are just not into it and i I, I do I do get that in some, in some <laughs> respect. So yeah, back to the dark times. Hope, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, 
just remember yeah. history repeats itself, Yasina. So we have to go back yeah. to the dark times to remember the the new renaissances. So I agree. I'll be. I was not aware of the new Joker. I've just been on loop a bit on that. I'll have yeah. to do some research on that. But you know, I'm just thinking what's coming out with Marvel. Um, and now that you know the shift and change of plans with everything that's gone now, Jonathan Majors too, not the platformers podcast talk about that, but you know the storyline that's coming up with with that. But that's still going to be some amazing stuff on the on the Marvel side. I did see that Craven the Hunter and some of those others coming out too. I'm like, oh, they're going to make some movies out of the, you know, they're going to make movies about bad guys, but are they really going to be bad guys? Like, cause there's no, you know, there's no Spider-Man to fight them, but it'll be interesting. And yeah. will I watch them? Yes. Because I like them as the yeah. adversaries of Spider-Man. So will I see it? Probably. Yeah. I'm going to see those movies, of course. And uh, we'll probably talk about them here on the podcast, but um, yeah, you're right about the Sony stuff. It's like, eventually these villains need to be villains, not anti-heroes because right. so far they've all Morbius, and the two Venom movies, they've mm-hmm. been anti-heroes and it's okay to do that every once in a while. But when your entire sinister six is like, not so sinister, like it doesn't really, <laughs> yep. it doesn't really work. So uh, anyway, we'll see how that goes. Um, I guess, I guess the last thing to put, to put a button on the DCU, I'm going to provide my, uh, my final rankings. I say final, but I mean final for right now because these could change because these movies, they're to me a lot of them are kind of like it's just how I feel that day. So I'm gonna go through my my uh, my rankings for the DCEU. I'm gonna start at the bottom, number sixteen. And Drew, just whenever you want to jump in, let me know like your thoughts on the movie or like how you would rank them. Uh, so number sixteen, I have. Uh, it's the Harley Quinn movie. It's called Birds of Prey, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. This movie came out in uh, 2021, and uh, it was a rough watch from the first time. I- I've only seen this movie one time. I don't know that I'll ever watch this movie again. Actually, it came out February 7th, 2020. So it came out right before the pandemic. Maybe that impacted the box office a little bit. Uh, it did not do super well, um, and it's not a fun movie to watch. <laughs> Just, I'll just uh, leave it at that. My next is Suicide Squad, the first Suicide Squad movie from David Ayer, which actually did very well financially. It's one of the higher grossing uh, movies in the DC EU. It made uh, $749 million. That movie, um, it sounds like we may get like a Snyder Cut version of that movie someday, but the Air Cut, the uh, director who made the movie, uh, was not happy with the final, what, what, the final product we saw because apparently it's not his vision of the movie. Basically the movie was kind of recut after the success of Deadpool and guardians of the galaxy. And they tried to make suicide squad more fun and entertaining as those movies. And it did not work. That is a disaster. My number 14 movie is a movie from this year. It is Shazam fear of the gods. The, the sequel to Shazam. I love the first movie. The second one, not so much. That's, Probably another one of these ones I don't know that I'm ever going to watch again. Uh, number 13 is Black Adam. It was the Rock's introduction to uh, the DCEU. He was going to change the hierarchy of power. It did not happen. Although at the time, I was excited about the Rock joining the DCEU. And I think his star power really could have helped. Um, but the movie got caught up in the fact that it wasn't very successful, but also the character is not very well known. And the fact that they were also in the middle of changing who controlled, you know, who had the reins of power at DC in the movie division. And so that movie kind of uh, got undercut a little bit by that, I believe. So 
that's my number 13. My number 12 is the original Justice League, the 2017 version, which is referred to as the Justice League because Joss Whedon was uh, brought in to help finish the movie after Zack Snyder left following the uh, tragic suicide of his daughter. Um, this movie, you know, over the years and after the Snyder Cut came out, this movie definitely fell in my mind. At the time, I thought it was okay, but it was definitely like a, you know, a drugstore version of Avengers. It was not nearly as good as Avengers. You know, it's definitely a knockoff version. Um, moving on to my number 11, Wonder Woman 1984. This movie came out on Christmas Day in 2020 in the height of the pandemic. It did not. It, it was in theaters, but most people watched it day and date on HBO Max, which was I did on Christmas. Max. I remember that. And I enjoyed yeah, I it too. That day. I, <laughs> I like the movie. A lot of people hated this movie. I think this movie had it come out in theaters without the pandemic. I think this movie would have made a lot of money. I think, yeah, some people still wouldn't have liked the movie as much, but it would have been a six, seven hundred million dollar movie. Um, so yeah, so I I don't hate it as as much as most people do. My number ten is Aquaman, the first movie, uh, the first Aquaman film. It was the most successful movie, as we mentioned before, in the DCEU. One point one billion. It was definitely a big hit. Um, I enjoyed it, but um, I thought the sequel was slightly better, which we've just talked about. That's my number nine. My number eight is Blue Beetle, which also came out this year. Blue Beetle is uh, you know, also not a well-known character, but really enjoyed uh, how they portrayed the character. And this character actually will be continuing in the DCU with James Gunn. So uh, so check out Blue Beetle. It's on, it's on Max right now, and uh, it's a fun a fun little two-hour superhero movie enjoy that and obviously that character is moving on so that's cool um my number seven is the uh probably the most famous movie of the dceu arguably the most famous maybe the cider cuts is up there with it but number seven is bvs batman v superman dawn of justice this movie um like much of the world i was very excited to see this movie i mean the anytime you you put batman versus superman in a title like of a movie you're like I'm there. I can't wait to see it. The movie, it's one of those movies where I have a complicated relationship with it. I think it, I think in a lot of ways it's super cool looking. The fight between the two is cool. There's a lot of stuff in the movie though that's just dumb. And of course, the Martha scene, that's one of the most uh, you know, made fun of portions of the DCEU. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. Also, you know, they kill Superman spoiler at the end of it. Um, that's Again, your second movie in your universe and you're killing Superman. Just what are you doing? It's uh yeah, but still, that is a that movie will live forever though, because like the just the title itself, people are always gonna be interested, like what what is that? They're gonna check it out. My number six is Man of Steel. We've talked about Man of Steel a little bit before. Um I was, we did a whole podcast about it uh, a few months back when we celebrated the 10 year anniversary of the movie. Um they cast the right guy to be Superman, Henry Cavill. I think I think he did a good job uh, visually Zack Snyder killed it but like BVS there are moments in the movie that I just I'm just like that's crazy like I can't believe we lost Jonathan Kent in a tornado and Super Superman's right there could save his dad like of all the times when you can use your powers and no one would notice or care is in a, the middle of a tornado you could zoom in there get him save him and whatever you know like and even if people see who cares like you've saved people before in the movie and see people saw you. I just, the psychology of this does not make sense. So that's my number six. My number five is the suicide squad. 
James Gunn's version of the Suicide Squad that came out in 2021. It was also impacted by the pandem- pandemic. It did not do very well. In fact, it's one of the lowest grossing movies of the DCEU. I do think the pandemic affected it. Also, the fact that it was also, you could either watch it on HBO Max or in theaters. Most people like me, I watched it at home. And so, but I, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, my number four is the first, uh, sorry, the first Wonder Woman. I almost said Aquaman. The first Wonder Woman movie, which I think might be the prohibitive favorite of everyone. If if you like, if you ask the person on the street if they've seen these movies, which one was the best one? They're probably going to say Wonder Woman. I enjoyed it. I think it was well made, well done. I just think that, like, you know, I think Captain America: First Avenger is a better story and a better version of a, you know, this kind of the same story. So, uh, you know, Man Out of Time, Captain America, Woman Out of Time, Wonder Woman, similar stuff. Both good movies. I prefer First Avenger better more than the first uh, Wonder Woman. My number three is Shazam, which I thought was like, I've said it a million times. To me, it felt like an MCU movie trapped in the DCU. The hum- humor was great. I uh, it really, it really bones me out what happened in the sequel because I did not enjoy the sequel. But the first one was very strong. My number two is a Snyder Cut, Zack Snyder's Justice League. This movie is four hours long and it does feel like it but um, it was very cool that he got to bring his uh, fin- his finished vision to you know to our TV screens at least. And uh, I'll never forget when it came out, watching it. And uh, I've seen it very many times. And for a four-hour movie, you know, it's tough to watch a movie over and over and over. But I've seen it maybe ten times now. I don't know. I really enjoy it. I think it's easily his best DCEU movie. And uh, honestly, like they should have started with Justice League. Like. If you're if you're gonna fast forward, why do why just start with Justice League? You know, like just start it off that way and then go from there. I don't know. Maybe maybe that would have worked better. Who knows? My number one is uh very controversial to a lot of people, I believe, but not to me. It's the Flash. Came out this summer, one of the biggest flops in the history of movies. But I don't care. I like the movie a lot. I enjoy it. It they brought back Michael Keaton in this film to play Batman, which I never thought was even possible. I really enjoyed the story. I really enjoyed how the movie, you know, really tried to tie together the whole DCEU, how they went back to 2013. They went back to Man of Steel to like, you know, tell the story. And uh, yeah, I uh, just really enjoyed the flash. I'm, it bums me out how most people don't like that movie. I don't really understand. I mean, there's lots of factors we talked about in the podcast about the episode, about the, about the movie itself, but I, to me, I think the movie by itself stands on its own, and it's it's a good superhero movie. So that's my list. Uh, we want to know what you think about. Let us know in the in the comments below or in our chat right now if you want to. And Drew, let's get your thoughts. What what are your rankings for the sure, DCU? I'm glad you went first. And if um, Brittany wouldn't mind leaving that up, so um, I'm with the general populace and right or wrong amongst the United friends. I mean, I still think Wonder Woman, nine, uh, the first Wonder Woman 2017, is still my in my number one. Um, Aquaman's my number two, and The Flash is my number three. Uh, Shazam's my number four, and my number five is Man of Steel. Um, and then uh, when I get to the the Justice League, I guess I needed to see the Josh the uh, a Josh Weldon version first before, but I do like, I mean, I like both versions, but without that first one, you don't appreciate the second long one. And I mean, the Snyder yeah. cut is definitely the better too, but that's where I rank on that. Um, the suicide squad from 2021, because it led to the peacemaker and 
at the time I did like the cast. Um, yes, I did watch it on, on max too. Cause I have it, but, um, multiple watchings of that. And then after being the fan of the peacemaker series and then going back and seeing the ties, I mean, that, uh, that, that I, I like that one better than the, the one from what 2016. Um, I just thought it was interesting that they were able to keep, uh, Harley Quinn, the, you know, the one consistent cast member between the two. I thought that was neat. Um, uh, she did that. Um, Wonder Woman 1984 is number eight. Uh, Batman versus Superman is number nine. Number 10 is Black Adam. And the the rest are a mix of I really don't care, to be honest with you. I mean, I <laughs> saw the last ones I didn't mention once and I haven't seen them again. Um, I really had a lot of hope for Black Adam. It, it, it I like it started out strong and, you know, and kind of got weak, but seemed to end strong, especially with Henry Cavill. But then everything went down. But those those are my top 10 of the 15 um, and again, I, you know, the, we're talking about the movies, but where Peacemaker stands is just, that thing is just, you know, that, that is, that is a sign of hope for what could be coming and what James Gunn going to be doing for this universe. That's a great point, Drew, because like, again, we're ranking the films right now, right. but if you include Peacemaker, I think it's number one. I think it's the best thing from the DCU. And I, I mean, when the DC held two years ago or three years ago, if you said, Hey, what is Peacemaker? I, w- I would not have known. I'm like. I think George Clooney made a movie in the nineties called Peacemaker or something. <laughs> like, yeah, well, that, that was a good movie, yeah. but nothing to do with, you know, that was about no, no, special forces right. and I, stuff went on Kosovo yeah. and all that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Exactly. But I'd never heard of, uh, right. Me either. speaking of George Clooney, he was also brought back as Batman in the flash, but, uh, <laughs> um, it's all connected. That's um, true. Good point. Yeah. But no, I never heard of the character. And then you introduce the character. It's just like kind of silly, like almost like a knockoff of Captain America with John Cena playing the character. And it's, it's the best thing of DCU. It's that eight episode. I think it's eight episodes or yep, six correct. episodes. It was, it was eight. Yeah. For, uh, for uh, season one, which dropped a couple years ago, we're going to get season two, apparently uh, yes. in the future. That's what I heard. And somehow they're going to explain how, um, how Peacemaker will survive the transition from the DCEU to the DCU. So I look forward to that because uh, that was one of the ones that worked, you know, just like how Wonder Woman, was successful and obviously Aquaman did very well. The first one, um, it made sense for some of those characters to continue. And I'm glad that we're going to see Peacemaker again. And I, it, again, it's kind of a bummer that we won't see some of these actors play these characters because I think they could have been really great and some of them were great, but uh, that's just how it all kind of panned out. Unfortunately. Drew, do you have any, uh, any final no, thoughts? On no, the, I the guess thanks for letting me. Uh, you know, I enjoyed it for the run. It was, like I said, there's 15 movies. Those are the 10 that I ranked and how I like them as 10 and the, and the last five right or wrong. I, I saw them once. And after that, I didn't need to see them again. Um, but I've enjoyed it for what it was worth. And I admire the the time and effort put forward by uh, the story writers, the producers, and especially the cast. And again, in burn to my mind, there's these, you know, I'm always going to, until the new comes out i'm always going to see gal gadot as war woman i'm still going to always see henry cavill as superman ezra miller as the flash i just um just was aquaman um you know and it's just those are just some things that burn good and obviously i'm always gonna, i'm always going to see john Cena as a peacemaker and that's going to be continuing so so you know i enjoyed it for the runs and thank you know i, I know you're a huge DC, a dc fan so thanks for having me especially on the ones with the flash or the batman and, and this too because you know the batman again 2022 was again I, I think a great movie but i was like is this going to tie back in but those dead bat movies whether it's the nolan one whether it's the batman they just stand alone on their own because the batman who is he's batman right so yeah i mean batman's you know that's the main main character for dc right it, it really is like dc's you know money character just like how marvel's money character is spider-man Mm-hmm. DC's Batman. I agree. So, so Batman yeah. can stand alone and live in his own universe. But 
I, I do want to point out something you, you just mentioned as far as with the casting of these characters. For a lot of these characters, this was the first big screen portrayal we ever saw. For Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot is the first person to play Wonder Woman on the big screen. For Aquaman, Jason Moa, you know, like now granted, we've had a few people play Superman, we've had several people play Batman, but for a lot of these characters, we've never seen them on this on the silver screen mm-hmm. before. So that's why you know, like you said, you're gonna see these people as these characters until there's new people. That's you know, now you're gonna get comparisons. Like whenever they cast the new Aquaman, you're gonna go, Wow, this guy, can this guy live up to Jason Moa? Like that's I mean, it'll have to be different. You can't do the same thing. And, right. and Jason Moe was like definitely a, you know, they basically like he became Aquaman, but he kind of created his own version of Aquaman. And Ezra Miller, too. You're right. Barry Allen is not the way Ezra Miller played Barry Allen. It's not how Barry Allen's ever been portrayed, whether right. the comics or in the TV shows or whatever, um, or the animated movies or series. So they kind of let these people like put their own twist in these characters. And now, in the future, we're going to have new people playing the characters for the first time, and then, but they're also going to have to have their own, or maybe they'll go back to like more like what the comics were. I'm not right. sure. We'll we'll, we'll see. see how it goes, but <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, so uh, again, sad that it's ending, but uh, I guess it had to end because now um, it just, it just didn't it didn't succeed. It didn't do what the MCU. And I mean, now honestly, people, you know, they think the MCU is on life support. I still think it will uh, recover, and uh, you know put out some good movies but uh the interesting times we live in the the superhero bubble has has burst and we're just trying to uh trying to figure out what what's going to continue and uh kind of a kind of an uneasy time in a lot of ways i uh yeah go ahead yes we're cooking wrapping up on the on the on the dc and dcu and all that. it's just for me at times i watch these between what marvel movies are coming out right or wrong i still need my superhero fix so yeah. in that decade they they filled in some blanks when marvel was working on other things so yeah. again i enjoyed them because they're all people i grew up you know i walk i grew up watching the super friends right i'm sure you did too and then read yeah. some of the comics too and um you know d- i definitely enjoyed when the batman went dark knight and they did the whole dark knight thing but that again is separate but it was good you know they, again it was a good ride i enjoyed it um and, you know, I don't feel like any time lost and I'm looking forward to what the future brings, especially under James Gunn, because we know what he can do with things. So, yep. Yep. I am looking forward to the same thing as well. So, and we will, and whenever that happens, we'll be there to talk about it. So, but, uh, that about does it for this, uh, for this portion of the episode. want to thank everybody who joined us in the chat today. want to thank, uh, Yesenia. I want to thank, uh, walking with the woods. Um, really appreciate y'all joining the chat. It really helps, uh, helps us with the show. And uh, that's the best way to let us know what you think about the, the episode or the movie we're talking about or the show is to join our chat. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're here on YouTube and we really, you know, we're getting close to 300 subscribers. We really want to get to that, that mark. So if you could help us out, if you wonder like, what do the watchers in the basement want for Christmas? We want 300 subscribers. So just get a few more people in your family to subscribe. If your dog has a YouTube, <laughs> have your dog sign up. We'd appreciate that. Doesn't matter watch our videos we appreciate it um and as you know again smash the like on this on the live stream right now um you know comment let us know what you think about our episodes we really appreciate that we are also on social media you can find us on facebook twitter instagram and threads we're at watchers basement and hey if you're if you if you follow us on social media be sure to tag us in posts by using the hashtag hashtag watchers basement we appreciate that so um you know, Drew, also, we're also, you know, we're doing this video right now on, on YouTube. We're doing this show right now live on YouTube, but we're also on audio podcasts. So 
our audio, audio podcast platform. So check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And be sure to give us a five-star rating. We really appreciate that. Um, that always helps us also. So, uh, Drew, you know, this is our last podcast of the year. 2023 has been a great year for the watchers. And I just want to say uh, we appreciate people like you. You know, you're a longtime fan uh, and now you're a friend of ours. And now you're on the podcast. So we appreciate you joining us. It's always great when we can have you on the show. Um, do you have any holiday message for anybody out there? I just want to wish everybody a happy holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hope, you know, you enjoy your time with friends and family. You know, the weather's weird. Catch it, pop on, you know, pop on Max and catch one of these movies and get caught up. Um, but thank you so much for everything, all, all, all four of you. You know, I know I started by being frank, but got to know all of you. Thank you for having me on all the podcasts over the last two years. And, uh, you know, I was glad to, uh, you know, wrap this up with you this year. And I was glad we had an interchange a couple of weeks ago when Taylor Swift was here in Titletown during the during the Chiefs Packers game. And we started, then we shifted Aquaman too. But it's it's been fun. I always knew all everybody's podcast and everybody's opinions about all the cool stuff you do with, with pop culture. So Merry Christmas yeah. and Happy Holidays. Thanks again. Yeah, exactly. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays from the Watch This Basement. We appreciate everybody who watches or listens to our show. Thanks to everybody. So for for drew i'm justin saying thanks for watching thanks for listening we will see you next time happy holidays and uh, enjoy the rest of your day bye-bye